Hello, ladies. Thank you for listening today as we dive into a study from Mrs. Francie Taylor, I See You, in Christ Unconditionally. Through this study, we will investigate lives that were in a critical place but received help in Christ unconditionally. I pray this lesson will be a source of help to you today. Tonight, we're going to be speaking on um, looking at doubt. And I was thinking today how the Lord has been so good to us. And every once in a while, it's just good to think about His blessings, isn't it? And how good He's to, We just need to stop. As busy as we are, we just need to stop and think about what He's done for us. And I was thinking about, I was talking to Miss Chan just a few minutes ago, and our family opposes some things we were going through a year ago and how the Lord has worked. And I praise His name. He's so good. And last year, we, um, it was just as though I didn't know how it would come to pass, and the Lord has really worked through our family. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that Miss Jan, just three weeks in, look how, how the Lord has helped her. I know the Sunday after her surgery, I was just telling her this too, that she was pitiful that Monday, but just that next Sunday, how the Lord touched her, and that uh, the Lord's blessings, he truly is so good to us. Brother Ted, so thankful that he's done so well. He still has a few um, obstacles, but he's he's doing so much better. I praise the Lord for that. Caitlin, I know yesterday getting the call from Miss Tanya and that scare, and I couldn't imagine um, because I don't have a child that's hearing impaired. But when you have a child like that and they're looking at you and they're um, the lack of communication, I couldn't imagine that struggle and that as a parent, um, the things that Miss Tanya was going through and she was um, testifying to me today and how the Lord touched KK and that, you know, if any of you know KK, you know that she gets upset, different things, and that even the CT and everything in that right hand that she went through and that she did so good. And that's a, a blessing from the Lord. And that's an answer to prayer. And so I think we take so many things for granted we don't stop and think about and, and thank the Lord for his blessings in our lives. But that being said... I was thinking, how can we doubt the Lord as good as he's been to us? How can we doubt? We just so many times take things for granted. But um, that's what we're going to talk about tonight is is Thomas and his doubts that he's had. We'll go to the Lord in prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for showing me the things that you have in this lesson. And Lord, I think that whenever we um, learn different characters that We know everything about the character, but I'm so thankful, Lord, that your word is inexhaustible. And, Lord, you are a powerful God and how we could ever doubt you. And I thank you for what you've given me. And there's nothing that I can say or do that can help. But, Lord, you can pierce their heart and their ears. And please help. The time I've studied not to be in vain, that I can say something to be a help to them. We'll give you thanks. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're going to turn to doubts if you've got your book. But I looked up what the definition of doubt is in 1828, and that is to question or hold questionable, to waver or fluctuate an opinion, to hesitate, to be in suspense, to be uncertain, or to be undetermined. How many of you are like that, being women? (laughs) Ladies, yes. You know, uh, the pastor has talked about my undecisiveness and I don't like to make decisions, and that is so true. That is my worst, I mean, that's, that's one bad thing about me, bad thing, is that he want me to make a decision, and it upsets him so much. like, just make a decision. But I'm like, whatever you want to do, whatever you think. 
I just don't like change. I don't like to make decisions. That's just who I am. And so all of us, we are up and down and we doubt things. We doubt ourselves. We doubt our opinions. We doubt other things. That's just part of human nature. And that's what we're going to learn about tonight in Thomas. And that just like we are, he is human. And we all go through these different things. We all have doubt because we're human. But some have more than others. Some personalities do have to battle this more than others. I know some people that really battle doubt. And that's really hard. I feel sorry for them because all of us d deal with it some, but some more than others. But Jesus, through his 12 disciples, taught us many things through the scriptures through these people, these 12 people. And I know the pastor has encouraged us to read through the New Testament during this fast. And so whenever, that means you're reading quite a lot during the day if you're doing that with the pastor. And so whenever you read it more chapters a day, you realize a lot more because you read more chapters. And so I have seen all the more this time this year that how the Lord Jesus, what a teacher he was and how, what a teacher he is. And also... Um, how he teaches us things through his disciples there in the, in the Gospels, and also how he cares for each one of them. And they each have a different personality. Some are hot-headed. You could probably think of one in particular. I mean, some are hot-headed, some are impatient. Some were dominant leaders, some were not. Some lacked faith. Most of them lacked faith, and then we, they all had pride and things they had to deal with. But we through, through their different personalities with the disciples and others in the scriptures that they're all missing something you know every one of us are different there's no two Miss Rondas there's no two Miss Sherris there's no two any of us we're all different we all have different personalities but one thing we do have in common is that we are incomplete without the Savior that's one thing we have in common and just like Thomas or any other disciples, they all had obstacles and things they had to overcome. But one thing they all needed was Jesus. And we're going to see that tonight through Thomas. But like I said, we're going to concentrate on him. And just that in the analysis of his life, he was pessimistic. And you could probably see that. He's only mentioned three different times in the book of John. But he doubted. And he's known as what? Doubting Thomas, that's right. And so that's what he's known for. But the three different times that he's mentioned in the book of John is first in John eleven sixteen. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, which means twin, by the way. So he must have had a twin somewhere, maybe. Unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That's the first time it's mentioned. The second is John 14, 5. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Thirdly, he says in John 20, verses 24 and 25, which he's most known for in this scripture. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I have seen his hands, the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. We see, as I mentioned earlier, that everyone has a different struggle with their life, but we see that Thomas had a melancholy personality. He thought of death often. We'll go back to those scriptures individually here in a few minutes. But we see that he often thought about gloomy parts of things. You can see that whenever in those scriptures. Thomas was a disciple that struggled to believe that Christ had risen from the dead. 
just through that, through some of those scriptures we just saw. But we can look into this situation before the three stones. We think, well, how could he doubt the Lord? You know, he walked with the Lord. He saw the miracles. How could Thomas doubt and be, said, I will not believe until I touch his, his wounds. Until I, and you think, oh my goodness, how could you do that, Thomas? But look at the things the Lord has done for us. And how can we doubt? So we can see ourselves through Thomas and that the things that we just talked about beforehand, the things, I know I went on and on about the Lord's blessings, how the Lord has worked in this building, how the Lord has over and over and over poured out his blessings in our lives and things that we just take for granted, but yet we still doubt. So the things that Thomas saw over and over and over and over through the miracles of Christ, but yet he still doubted. You see the analogy with us in our lives that we could see you think that, you know, Thomas walked with God and was one of his disciples. And, you know, and his memory had to have been fresh, seeing where they nailed him to the cross. He had to have vivid reminders that the soldier, whenever they, he drove the spear into Jesus' side, having a gapping wound, but he still doubted. He was analytical in his response to the other disciples. So he thought, he was a big thinker. He thought too much. How many of y'all think too much? Me. <laughs> That's another thing. He was melancholy, he doubted, and he overthought a lot of things. Thomas had seen the depth of the wounds and the torture that Jesus had been through. He saw all that. And, but yet, there was no record witness of anyone returning from the dead after a crucifixion, so maybe that's what he was thinking. You know, he wanted to see tangible things. And so when we look, go into the observation of more in depth of Thomas tonight, in the scripture about what the Lord said, what the scripture says about Thomas. Number one, we see in your book that Thomas was only human. We've said that over and over. But we have to remember, because I know that's what I thought reading the scripture. I'm like, doubting Thomas, how could he could be a disciple? Or then whenever you study these other, other disciples, well, how could Peter be a disciple? Look at him, he's so hot-headed. Or how could this one be? Or how could that one be? Well, how could we do anything for the Lord either? I mean, you know? We are all fallible, but the Lord loves us even so. And so I hope that that's what we can see tonight through the scripture. We all have doubt. We're all human. But you know what I thought about this when Thomas, thinking about Thomas was only human? Satan is the master of the mind. He is the master of the mind with doubt. He started in Genesis and still works hard today with that. Genesis 3 one, it says, Satan says, hath God said to Eve, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Doubt. That's the way he works. Even doubt, he doubted through, tried to doubt with the Lord Jesus with his power. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 4. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. The Lord Jesus was hungry, hungry during that time. His flesh was weak. He was trying to cast out Eve and to tempt the Lord Jesus and to cast doubt uh, in the Lord Jesus' mind. So why do we not think Satan will try to put doubt in our mind? He will. So if Satan tried to place doubt in the Lord, we know that he will do this with us all. Psalms 103 verses 13 and 14 says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame. I'm so thankful for that. So thankful he knows us. He remembered, he remembereth that we are dust. You know, we tend, as people want to put 
we tend to put people on the pedestals. Preachers and other people in the ministry, like the disciples, I mean, you know, I put them on pedestals. I mean, you know, these are the ones that walked with the Lord Jesus. But, you know, the Lord knows our weaknesses, and he also has pity on us. We all are fallible, and we all are weak. Thomas, like the other followers of Christ, were only, they're all disciples, but they're not supernatural. The only one that's supernatural was the Lord Jesus and our Heavenly Father. None of us are supernatural. Like Wonder Woman, anybody ever watch that whenever you were little? I used to go around hopping behind trees and think I was going to be Wonder Woman to my brother and do something to him whenever he's mean to me. But I was not Wonder Woman. I learned that real quick, especially after I had kids. <laughs> but anyway, we are not Wonder Women. So, but number two, Thomas had a commitment to Christ that was unwavering. Commitment. We're going to see this through this next scripture. John chapter 11, verse 16. Remember, I told you it's one of the verses that, one of the three that John speaks about. But anyway, it says, Then said Thomas, which is... Oh, no. Just cut off. Okay, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, so it says, Then Thomas, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So in the context of the scriptures, they was coming back, they was going to go to Bethany to heal, the Lord Jesus was going to heal Lazarus. And the Lord Jesus, he went back into Judea and the Judea, and the disciples said, Lord, are we going back? They're going to kill you. All that commotion, different things, this is a bad thing. And so uh, the Lord said, I have to go whenever my, whenever the Lord wants, whenever my Heavenly Father wants me to go. Well, then Thomas says, instead of saying, you can do it, Lord, we're behind you, you know, the optimistic spirit. He said, well, we're just all going to die with you. You see his pessimistic, his pes he was pessimistic and saying, well, you're going to die, Lord, we're just going to die with you. He could have, like I said, been encouraged and said, Lord, we're going to do this. We can do this together. But we see his, his personality, but also we see that, hey, even if it meant dying with him, he was committed. Whatever it meant for him to go to the Lord Jesus, that's one thing we can say about Thomas, number one, is that he was human, like we all are, but number two is that he was committed. And so um, this was when Christ came back, like I said, from Bethany, and this happened. Number three, um, so what Thomas said before I go to number three is that I would rather die with Christ than keep living without him. How many of us would say that? For me to live is Christ, but die is gain. So, I mean, how many of us would say that? So Thomas really had a relationship with the Lord. So number three, Thomas was not too proud to admit he didn't understand. John chapter 14, verse 2 through 5, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? How many of you have sit in a meeting at work, or even here at church, or any, think of a time you went to a meeting and you didn't want to raise your hand, I don't understand, or at school, and you're too prideful, or you're too embarrassed, I'm not raising my hand, but I don't understand, but hey, Thomas, he, he was not too proud. Lord, I don't understand. Could you give me clarification? He was analytical. He was like, I've got to figure out this in my mind, how this is going to happen. So good for him. He asked. I mean, he, was, he wasn't too proud because he wanted to know exactly how this was going to happen. 
So many times I've thought about that, that I've done that, where I sit in <clears throat> school or in a meeting or whatever. I'm like, I'm not raising my hand. Maybe somebody else will ask that question, and I don't know because I'm not saying anything. And I think to myself, I'm just going to figure out on my own. But what would have been better if I just would have asked my teacher? And so that's what he did. He asked his teacher for clarification. You know, we don't need to be too proud whenever we need clarification. If we don't understand something in Scripture, the Word of God says to go to him and ask him. And that's what we need to do. We don't need or ask somebody else. Ask a Sunday school teacher. Ask your pastor or, or some other leader in your, in your life. Ask, and maybe the, um, through the, the Lord through them can help you have clarification of that. So that's another thing that Thomas was not a prideful person. Number four, we see that Thomas wanted proof that the disciples had seen the Lord. Remember I told you he, see, he thinks way too much. John chapter 20, verse 24 and 25, like I read before, Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger to the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I have money to get me a cup of water, please. So why does Thomas proof? His personality comes in place more than that. So one thing, his personality. But this is what the Lord showed me more than anything through this lesson, is what I'm getting ready to go over with you right now in verse 24. So let's look in the scripture at uh, verse 24. Okay. <clears throat> I've already turned and had it there. Excuse me just a minute. Okay, so 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. I've read that on how many times. Never even thought another thing about it. Wasn't with him whenever Jesus came. Jesus came to the disciples and spoke to them. The only ones that were not there was Judas because he betrayed the Lord Jesus. And then also Thomas, thank you, sweetheart. And then Thomas. Sorry. So you think, why was Thomas not there? He was the only one that was not there besides Judas. He was not there, so he didn't get to see Jesus. He forsook the assembly of the other believers. And I've never thought this, but... Here we see that John is explaining what Thomas missed. He had the interjunction. He said, but. You read through here and he goes up to 24, but Thomas. He said, whoa, but Thomas, one of the 12. And the only other place it says that one of the 12 is in um, John 6, 71. The only other place the phrase occurs in the gospel is connection with Judas. So he says, one of the 12 was not with him when Jesus came. And so we see here that Thomas stayed away from meeting with the other fellow laborers. Why do people stay away from the assembly of God, from assembling with God's people? We have many different things, isn't it? We're too busy. I'm too tired tonight. It's too rainy. But y'all didn't say that, did you? Yay for y'all tonight. <laughs> I will get, I'll get just as much out of the service online and read my Bible than I do coming to church. But that's not what the scripture says. What does the scripture say? Hebrews 10, 25. We have doubt. What do we need to do? Go back to the scripture. We go back. It says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, 
and so much more as you see the day approaching. That this talks about in the scripture how important it is assembling yourselves together. We need each other. Some of the best times I've had with the Lord is alone, reading his word. But you know what else? I need you. And you need me. We need each other. Just like I've come to church before, so tired. I know um, one night uh, Miss Cher comes, she said, I'm so tired. But yet she was here. And I know I've come before, just I feel like I was dragging. But something about being around God's people and hearing the preaching, nothing can overtake the preaching of God's word from his servant that it builds us up and helps us. And that's why the, the, we have this firm fun, fundamental in the scripture that we don't need to forsake the symbol of ourselves together. We think sometimes, why does God have rules? Just so we'll just do them? No, he doesn't because we need boundaries because he loves us. Just like we rebuke our children and we have boundaries for our children, the Lord has the same thing. And he teaches the important those things. When we make excuses and don't just come to church, we miss our out, but also we, our children miss out. We make the choice for us and our children. We teach our children to put other things that value the house of God. Now, I'll just give you a couple examples. I'm not above anybody in here. The Lord help me that, that I'm, I'm not. But I can just tell you that in my own life that I know that... Um, just for example, going to Mary, and a couple people said, not in our church, but they would laugh and say, if you go to Mary and you're going to be sick, there's always a bunch of germs, there's a lot of people together, but, and we did come back and we did have a little something for a couple of days, but I told Jonathan today, I said, the pastor, I said, I would rather go through those days of meeting and be sick and thankful that my children have the help. The Lord's my children help to overcome those things and not miss out on the Lord's blessing and assembling ourselves together. It is worth it. You have to make an account and make it active, be active and do what God says you do. It is a choice. And I choose, and that Friday night, the Lord helped me. The Lord helped my children. On the way home, they said that. And I would never take that away, even just a couple of days of a low-grade fever. I wouldn't take it away, because my children remember that, and that meeting how the Lord spoke to their heart. Madeline Nursing School, We've always told her when she started, even if you have a lot of stuff, you're not missing church. Because you know why? I want Madeline to know when she gets older that even if she fails a test, the most important thing in her life is faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Because the Lord, if it's his will for her to be a, to be a nurse, then he's going to help her through it. So we have to trust God, do his commandments, do what he tells us to, and then trust him with the rest. We want to analyze all these things and doubt in our mind, Satan, in our mind, and try to figure all these things out when all we have to do is trust. But you know what? We still do it. And we can see that. Um, we'll see that through a few more things through Thomas's life that we'll bring out. But our relationship with Christ is more, should be more important than anything else in our life. We can say home, yes, but another important part is not, like I said, forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. I want to read this statistic that I found this week. Two-thirds, that's 61%, of Americans aged 18 to 35 doubt the existence of God. So that shouldn't surprise us, right? But this is what's so bad. Americans doubted, um, the doubt of Americans doubting God has doubled in one generation. One. So it was 30% a generation ago. 61 now. What's that going to be in another generation? 
we have got those mothers or grandparents or later we have to stand up in these fundamentals of the scripture and we have to stand bold and firm no matter all these other things that we're, it's going to go against the grain you're going to go against the grain if you um, you're going to have questions why are you so faithful to church aren't you tired or look at all this flu this sickness we have decided as a family this is what we need to do because this is what the word of God says we have to stay firm that that statistic was just broke my heart but also we see um, number five is that, um, but before I go into that, Satan is using all that he can to make sure that we don't see Jesus. So that's the thing Thomas didn't. And in Thomas's mind, it may have been because he was upset. Remember, he was gloomy, doom, and despair. He may have been depressed and in his car. It was eight days, the scripture says. So for eight days until the Lord showed up and, and helped Thomas there in the scripture, verse 25, it may have been he was just down and laid in the bed because he was upset because Jesus was gone. Whatever the case may have been, but Satan was going to play played with his mind and keep Thomas away from seeing, he missed out with seeing Jesus with the other disciples. So he will do, Satan will do whatever he can with our personalities. We all have different personalities, and Satan knows which part of your personality that he can work with your mind with to keep you from seeing Jesus. So number five, Thomas received his proof with a reproof from the Lord Jesus in verse 26 through 29. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with him. So he came, Thomas did come then. And then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Take unto you. And the words of the Lord is better than what anybody could ever say is his words. Then said Jesus, then said he to Thomas, Reach hither my, thy finger. And behold my hands, and reach hither my hand. So he said that to Thomas, because he knew what Thomas needed. And thrust into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. He was still teaching Thomas. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, and thou hast believed. Blessed are they which have not seen, and yet have believed. So you see through this that our Lord loves us so much that even, even to our weakness that he comes to us. And that, you know, I, I'm one of these types, I'm real hard on myself. But I have to remember that the Lord, that we all have faults. And the Lord comes to us with all our faults and helps us with those faults. He came to Thomas. He didn't come to 100 people. He came individually because he knew Thomas needed that proof. That's how much he loves us, is that he came individually for, to Thomas. And that's what he does for us. I don't know how many times over and over the Lord has come to me specifically. And looking back, I think, oh my goodness, how childish. But at that time in my spiritual walk, it was a big deal to me. And the Lord came to me then. He comes to me now. Wherever I am spiritually, he meets with me. And that's why you better have that relationship with the Lord because he's the best thing in this life that, he, that ever we can have. He cares for us. Can you believe this? Christ came to meet with his disciples again just for Thomas. And you know, he will come to us again over and over speaking to our heart just for us, just for each one of y'all because that's how much he loves us.
Is that not just miraculous? It's so, his love is so wonderful. But Thomas would have been in despair for eight days. He could have been, um, but seeking, um, but he had not, if he had not forsaken the symbol with other believers, he would have seen Jesus first. But he didn't. And the Lord gave him another chance and helped him. So let's go, and I'm going to just go back to the book here. Just give me a second to open up. Um, and we'll end out um, this lesson here on Thomas. But the revelance, uh, the revelance uh, part, it says, number one, that God knows our imperfections. He knows our imperfections. John chapter 15, verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye may go, you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he shall give it you. So he knows our very frame, our imperfections. He knows every hair upon our head. But yet he has ordained us that we should go forth and he wants to use us. Is that not a miracle? Isn't that wonderful? And then number two, we see that in dark times, in contrast to brighter days, and that even in dark times, he will bring brighter days in our life. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, under you, excuse me, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. These scriptures are good to have in your heart and to remember whenever these times come. The dark hour is going to come. Life's not perfect, but whenever they do, we need to go back and remember that there's a brighter day coming even if it's when we go to heaven to the Lord. But here on earth, he can give us a brighter day. Number three, we, all, we see that we need to ask the Lord to help us comprehend his word. All these things are things we've learned through Thomas's life, that he had imperfections. Remember I said he was human? Number two, there was dark times in Thomas's life, but the Lord showed him a brighter day. Number three, we need to ask the Lord to help us to comprehend his word. Remember we learned from Thomas he wasn't too prideful? Ask for help. Like I said, um, don't be too prideful. Whenever we um, don't comprehend something and we don't ask for help, then that's when doubt can come in. Psalms 119 verse 34 says, Give me understanding, and I, I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. So ask the Lord through his word to show you and to help you. I know whenever I'm studying and reading, sometimes that seed of doubt will go through my mind. Everybody has it. But then, I, you know what I do? I stop. The other morning I had that acetic doubt come through my, my mind. And I stopped, I recognized it, and I asked the Lord to help me and show me through his word what I needed to see. And the Lord helped me, helped me with that seed of doubt. So whenever we do have that, we need to stop and recognize it and ask the Lord to help us in prayer and through his word. Number four, God has already proven himself. God is God. We believe it or not, he's God. It says in 1 John 5, 11 through 12, it says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you have the Lord in your, in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit, you have life. And he will help you. But the fact, if you have doubts or not, Thomas had doubts, but it didn't matter or not. Jesus was still, he was still God. And then we see number five, that we can ask God for help with our unbelief. You know, there's certain parts in our life that we may have unbelief, that we may have obstacles or something that we have to overcome more. 
we need to ask the Lord to help us with those. It says in Mark 9, uh, 23 through 24, it gives an example of, of someone asking the Lord to help. It says, um, and straightway the father of the child cried out, and the Lord was, um, was ministering to him and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help mine unbelief. And so it's common to have battles and doubts, but we need to turn these struggles into prayer requests. We're not the first people to have doubts. We're not the first people to wrestle with unbelief. We all do. The father of that, that child, he possessed, um, that was possessed with a dumb spirit, he admitted that he didn't believe, but Christ had the power to cast out the unbelief, and he did in that father's life. So if we are honest, we need to be honest with God in prayer and ask him to help us with those struggles we have. But just um, in conclusion tonight, looking at the life of Thomas, you know, doubt will come in our lives. How we can prevent it and how we dismiss it in our lives will be our choice, though. So how can we prevent it? Stay in tune with the Lord. Not to forsake the assembling of yourselves. Because, you know, the one service you miss out on maybe when we see Jesus. And we should come... In faith, believe we're going to see Jesus every time we come to his house because we're meeting together and worshiping him. So, but that's one thing I don't want to miss out. Whenever we've been sick, we've had to miss out. I, I just hate that missing out because I want to go around God's people and I want to miss out on his blessings and seeing the glory of God. If you've ever been around the glory of God, you don't want to miss out because it's something you'll never forget. So it is a choice that we choose we choose with our doubts what to do with them, to prevent them, and also how to dismiss them, even if we have them, what to do to dismiss them.